0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Desert Rain Community Radio. Uh, Today, we talk about lamentations and uh, some of the the upheaval, the sadness, the conflict, um, the tension that has been in and around the country. We kind of start as an example from 9-11 and work our way forward um, to effectively the um, evasion of the capital. This was recorded shortly after that, a week or so after. And we just um, review that from a spiritual standpoint, how we can support each other, how we can be a healing force, and how we can can try to come come together in these uh, uh, uncertain times. So before we jump into it, Those drums in the background. Thank you, Jacob from MonkDrums.com. You can check out uh, the different drums he has available. Uh, Thank you, Diego, from Recording Moving Studios for the great editing and all the assistance you've given us over the last uh, several months. And uh, if you're interested in learning more about Desert Rain Community, TheRuined.com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, um, and if you want to find other episodes of this, uh, drcrpod.com, we'll get you there. So, um, yep, this is a little, little bit more heavy uh, episode, but I think in a good way, and um, lots of good reminders and and uh, principles and practices that. Uh, we can use to to connect with one another and and heal hopefully. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. I'm here with David
1: Morrison. That is I. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fairly well. Feel copacetic. You seem alert. I, I seem feel alert. yeah, I'm cogent. The sun's which is shining. A rarity. The sun is shining on this uh, memorial, I mean this, uh, <laughs> there there goes my cogency <laughs> right there, <laughs> yeah, <we're laughs> on this Martin Luther <laughs> King Jr. weekend.
0: There you go, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I was going to say we're... Memorial Day, that's like in May.
0: Yeah, well, that's probably when this will post, so that'll be good. <laughs> um, so today, so one of the things uh, you and I have been discussing over the last two weeks, and especially, so we're, this will probably uh, probably come out in March or April, but... We're recording this about a week and a half after the capital had been overrun by um, protesters and insurgents. Rioters. <laughs> Rioters. Terrorists. Yeah, that's another, um, <laughs> Domestic how, terrorists. How, I, I can only imagine right now in the Middle East, ISIS must be sitting back and being like, oh, we could have done that years ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we could have taken over the capital. I didn't realize it was that easy. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, so on a serious note, though, uh, one of the things that you and I have been discussing offline and wanted to bring it online was um, sort of the the uh, social sadness, maybe, would be a, maybe a good way to put it over the last uh, 10 to 12 months uh, between COVID, everything that that has all the changes that has come with our from our society Um you know some of the the uh, sadness and anger that came out over the summer with the Black Lives Matter uh, movement. Um, you know some of the some of the riots that had happened in Portland, uh, and then now uh, some you know the election and and the uh, the riots that have taken place in D.C. and and uh, kind of look at this idea, the spiritual idea of um, lament. <sighs> And uh, and how can we integrate that into uh, being a, a healing force in our society? Yeah. Um, and obviously that that starts at the micro level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so maybe you could uh, talk about your understanding of of uh, you know lamentations from the Hebrew scriptures and how that uh, ties into our yeah. spirituality.
1: Wow. Uh, yeah, I would. I mean, on a personal, you said micro level, so on a personal level, you know, there have been events in my own life that I've described as a uh, a nightmare in slow motion. Mm. And so I, I think that's what we've been in for a year, five years, even. Mm.
0: Um,
1: okay. And just the the social upheaval, the uh, and uh, and so you know. So it's like many are saying, this uh, riot, this insurrection wasn't isn't a surprise. <laughs> you know, we we saw this. You know, it's like uh, uh, Joe Biden said, we, I wish we could have said I wish we could say we, we we I wish we could have said uh, we saw this coming, but mm. or didn't see this coming. Right, right, I wish right. we could say that, but we definitely saw this coming. And um, so, I, so I think yeah, I think that's where we are as a culture. I'm not, I'm more concerned, obviously, with the state of Christianity in America. That's where my interests lie and my priorities. The state of the church uh, and, and probably, Catholic, uh, you know, Protestant, uh, Evangelical. That you know that whole thing. And so I've been mourning more of that.
0: Well, and that's probably so that that side of it is probably, um, you know, like we've talked about before, spiritual and and. Uh, social and political yeah. overlap but you know for the the sake of this podcast probably looking at the Christianity side of it yeah um, probably probably makes the most sense um for the sake of this conversation
1: yeah and so to bring it back uh, so the same on your personal in your personal life it, it's the same that needs to happen in your corporate life your you know which is we need a way to process grief we need a way to process loss. We need to, a way of repentance, where we take ownership of our complicity, uh, you know, our complicit behaviors and attitudes towards uh, or even our sinful
0: things. Even know? our all-out uh, aggressions. Yeah, like not just where we're complicit, but also where where are we actively
1: exactly messing you, things up? You know, and, uh, you know, it's uh, like use a uh, racism as an example. You can't. You can't speak logically and rationally with a race with an open racist mm-hmm. because they didn't get to that place through rationale. They didn't wake up one morning and and through a, a connecting rational dots saying, I think I'm going to be a white supremacist today mm-hmm. uh, no, they there's there's, like you said, this underlying rage that's irrational that spills over and it's and so these things need to be dealt with. On an emotional level, rather than uh, an intellectual level, and that's why I'm saying lamentation that you see uh, in in the Old Testament, in the Jewish tradition for sure. What, mm-hmm. we, what Christians would call the Old Testament, uh, Jews would call it the, the Scriptures. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we I mean, need to not forget that. Uh, and you know, and and you know, and you don't really see it in too many liturgies. Particularly the Protestant liturgies, mm. the the a place for mourning, a place for lamentation, uh, but you do see it at the at the grassroots Pentecostal and charismatic levels. Okay, and the first time I ever experienced it uh, in a corporate sense right. was was nine uh, eleven. We were very hyper charismatic. Uh, we were a, a charismatic congregation, right. very focused on and and on this prayer.
0: point is is you had your own church. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, we, yeah. We
1: had a congregation, and but our focus was was very much on on uh, worship in in the form of music, mm-hmm. and and integrating that with intercessory prayer and emotional emotional kind of prayer. And this was prior to nine eleven. Right. Yeah. This okay. is the we're doing this from the nineties onward. Mm-hmm. I you know I did it as a youth pastor before that as well, and so it was a natural. It wasn't a, a, a thought out thing so when 9 11 hit for example that was a, obviously a tragedy uh and it was a national tragedy and mm-hmm. it was a, um it was the place where america as a nation was thought of herself as being invulnerable the financial mm-hmm. institutions uh the the world trade center you know and it was and we were attacked there at that mm-hmm. place so they were feeling very vulnerable and our response as a church at the time, and and um, and and I think we just accident. We were accidentally prophetic. <laughs> okay, so I don't want to. Uh, yeah, this it isn't just, a matter of patting yourself on the. Back, no, we crying. just kind of fell into it. We didn't really plan this out. It wasn't done. I have never read at that point uh, Walter Brueggemann's uh, the prophetic imagination, which deals with this topic of lamentation, and. Uh, and the Jewish tradition of of that of dealing with national crisis, you know, it was written in 1978. But I didn't read that book until uh, maybe four years ago. Mm. And so, so, so it didn't come from an intellectual place, and it didn't come from yeah, a place of,
0: it. of
1: being sm- a smart guy. It just was the natural. That was where the emotions were, were led us. And so, for that whole month in September, our Sunday morning was just. That we'd have the worship team playing, and they wrote uh, their own songs as well right. of lamentation, of uh, repentance, introspection, mm-hmm. and then I would just get behind the microphone and read the Book of Lamentations, and we did that for four weeks. And so that's the equivalent of Andy Kaufman reading The Great Gatsby mm-hmm. <laughs> to a college group. Right. You know, it's just to an auditorium yeah, for mini- college kids. Yeah, and it was ministry suicide. Well, you know, but we didn't think about that. I I was embarrassed by it years later. I was like, what were you thinking? You're just a dork. And then when I read Walter Brueggemann uh, a couple of years ago, I was like, wow, we accidentally became prophetic.
0: Well, and I I think part of it, too, speaks to, and not even just your congregation in general, but more of a a bigger umbrella of like when you're engaged in those spiritual practices of prayer, of of deep prayer and... and, um, that idea of community, just any spiritual, yeah. you know, whether it's contemplation, prayer, community, any of those spiritual yeah. practices that, that we have and have discussed and will discuss in the future, uh, you can kind of stumble your, your way into the right choice. If, if you will. Yeah. You know,
1: cause you, you can trust those inner, you know, a charismatic or Pentecostal, we would call it the spirit, the Holy spirit mm-hmm. leading you, mm-hmm. yep. uh, as a, as a, poetic kind of person, I would just say, uh, those inner intuitions, Right, uh, you know, you can trust them. And, and so it was just a time to cry. It was a time to, to lament.
0: And you couldn't get there logically.
1: No, you no. couldn't
0: have got to the decision. Because logically, what
1: was there was you need to be a responsible, uh, church growth kind of person. And that means, uh, bring out, and this is what happened with most churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did the smart route, so to speak, which was to, uh, Break out the American flags mm. and uh, and Americanize this shit. You Turn know?
0: up the patriotism. yeah
1: mm-hmm. and and it felt wrong at the time, but I didn't know why it felt wrong
0: because mm. um, you was, were seeing your peers do that is what you're saying right. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. every church has seemed, you know, mm-hmm. uh, i don't I don't know if Catholic churches have. The American flag yeah, in there. I've never seen an American. I hope flag they don't.
0: But yeah, church.
1: the American flag sort of showing up. And
0: but there might have been some at that time. I don't
1: yeah. I wasn't going to
0: church at that point for sure.
1: And then a couple of years later, I was a guest speaker at one of our sister churches. And it and and it was in my old neighborhood, which has a lot of retired military. And, mm. and I preached against I, I kind of mentioned that having the flag in your sanctuary is idolatry and did, you, did they
0: have one in their sanctuary? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, like, pointing at it. Yeah, so
1: again, Andy Kaufman. Uh, I tried might, to make, hu- you know, a humorous situation, right. of, but about, you know, three or four people got up and left uh, during the middle of the sermon, so, And I don't think I was invited back. I don't remember. But anyway, uh, um, so, so yeah. And and so Brueggemann's thesis in his books and, and writing is... Uh, when when uh, Israel would come to these these crossroads in her history, uh, you know and and i and, and I disagree with him. I don't equi- I, I don't think there's an equivalent of art. Uh, the United States is nine eleven being the uh, destruction of Jerusalem. I, I just yeah, I, I can't you know right. one is genocide. One, they lost their government and they lost their uh, religious space. religious system. And they lost their lives Mm -hmm. Uh, on the other, uh, uh, to quote uh, the prophets from the band Alabama, uh, somebody told us Wall Street fell, but we were so poor, we couldn't (laughs) tell. Uh, And so, you know, those of us who are lower, you know, middle class, you know, okay, you're in a recession. We've lived in a recession. Right. Oh, my, you had to get the (laughs) medium-sized jacuzzi? (laughs) Screw you, you know. Right. but so so I'm not I'm not on board with that. Yeah, one. but it's
0: it's still but, um, a tragedy.
1: Yeah, and the human yeah. response is still the same. Correct. Right. Which would be so so his thesis, Brugerman's thesis is uh, Israel would find herself at a, a crossroads to either go into the spirit of lamentations, mm-hmm. which is what the prophets were calling them to, Amos, Jeremiah, uh, and and so forth. Or they would be tempted to go into a uh, a, a false patriotism mm. and and keep the uh, the economic system that was oppressing the poor in place and and uh, and that's that's the entire central theme of all of the prophetic books mm. of the Jewish scriptures is okay. is the oppression of the poor. Uh, I think Brueggemann calls it the royal consciousness versus the uh the I think the Moses way or the or the prophetic call, which is to lift up the lowly, to bring in the marginalized, uh marginalized, uh to to break the rod of oppression over the poor, to and unite the vulnerable. Everyone. Exactly. In, in a true
0: unity. Yeah. So in, that your a,
1: your middle class wealth isn't at the expense of others. That, that's a major theme, and and you see jesus continuing that theme and mm. you see the early church uh in christianity with, with even with its division and and its schism with judaism you still see that theme in the early early uh, centuries of christianity okay which and and you know and you definitely see it today in in some streams of christianity but um and so I think that's that happened at 9-11, 10 years ago. This is just my opinion. We, right. We
0: were at that point where we could lean into patriotism, which is what the country yeah. did.
1: And 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 more importantly
0: for this conversation, the churches did. Um, or we can lean into that um, prophetic place of lament.
1: Yeah, where we can uh, have a, a self-criticism. Where we can ha- live in a place where you can, there are institutions within the church and and within the United States that can be actually criticized. Uh, you can't criticize the military, mm-hmm. right? You're you're considered a traitor. Uh, you're consider, you know they you can't bring any criticism to uh, wealth uh, or the the acquisition of wealth. Um, there are streams of Christianity, probably the most popular right now in America. That if you are poor, they see that as uh, a character flaw on right. your on your part, and God is not blessing you, and God's not with you when the opposite is actually true. <laughs> and, and it, I mean, the whole
0: part of that, I mean, that's from the prosperity gospel, right? Yeah, yeah. Which isn't actually—it's not, not even actually a gospel. A gospel. <laughs> if, it's if, good news if you've read the four gospels. Yeah, it's
1: good news for those that are wealthy. <laughs> yeah, but it's not good news for everyone else. Yeah, you know, and so. Um,
0: yeah, because yeah. you could be a hard worker, which is the argument is the character flaws. You're not a hard worker. Yeah. that's why you're poor. Yeah, you, but you, you could be a hard worker and be dirt poor. They, yeah, most I, you know, I, I,
1: most people who live in poverty work uh, very, very hard. Yeah, probably my the hardest working
0: <laughs> person I've known was my grandfather on my mom's side. You know, he, he his professional life in air quotes was very Forrest Gump. he he had worked uh i want to say for a year maybe two learning uh engineering like surveying and stuff like that and he was going he was in la to get his certificate to say he was a qualified surveyor or whatever the exact training he was on his way there he saw a sign in a restaurant that they were hiring and he all he he just wanted a job he didn't care about this certification like mm-hmm. he didn't understand you know the what he had learned and he walked into this restaurant and got a job as a at that probably a dishwasher at yeah, that, at yeah. that moment and eventually was a, a sous chef in this i don't remember if it's four five, four star or five star you know cooking around these yeah. these chefs that had been classically trained but he didn't know. He just needed a job to feed his family.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, and 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 when he passed away, there wasn't wealth wise. Yeah, you know, he he probably had a couple thousand dollars to his name, maybe.
1: Yeah. So it's. Yeah. So it's sort of. I guess to bring it back, I I feel yeah. we're we're at that crossroads again, with the with the events of. Are uh, the United States Capitol being under siege, right. uh, and, uh, Nazis, literal Nazis feeling very comfortable mm-hmm. to show their faces. Uh, they feel empowered by uh, a third of our government. And, uh, and so, yeah, so I think we're here, here we are again, another chance to go into, uh, the prophetic imagination, mm-hmm. to go into lamentation, to go into a true repentance and, and then creative reconciliation of, of a lot of things uh, racial reconciliation, economic, um, spiritual reconciliation, or go continue to maintain the hyper capitalism, the hyper consumerism, and the uh, the status quo, if you will, and patriot and calling it patriotism well, and
0: i don't even think i think at this point it's i think 9 11 is different because it 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 was a attack on the country
1: right, so, from it, outsiders, unif- yeah. right
0: so, it, so it unified the it at that point it unified the country yeah whereas i think this crossroads is different because it's if we stay with the status quo we're going to be driven further apart right like we have yeah we, yeah so on the sure. fringes we have the alt left yeah. antifa on the right we have the racist yeah. and the alt right and and at this point they've kind of become the same their actions have become the same you know they've gone right, right, so far right. to the fringes that they've they've yeah. become this their actions have become the same
1: yeah it's it's the demons of our civil war
0: and so it's like how do we bring As and so, this is the way I think about it. How do we become a healing force in there exactly and try to bridge that gap or at least start walking towards each other? Yeah, exactly. Instead of running away from each other. And and one of the things I wanted to add to you're talking about imaginative reconciliation and and those things, but also like crying out to God, questioning God.
1: Like, and waiting,
0: the, waiting in that. Yeah, way. it's like, what the fuck, God? Like, yeah. this isn't what we signed up for.
1: Yeah, who am I?
0: But it is what we signed up yeah. for because we're here this time in in space.
1: Exactly, and, and it can take all kinds of creative uh, actions, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I was just thinking about this last night. Um, I, I this was an ac- another accident. I happened to be an acquaintance of. I was in a conversation with uh, this person who uh, was the head of security at White Sands okay. Missile Range. <laughs> That's a so little weird for me to end up talking to someone like this. So you this, were
0: talking to them last night?
1: No, no, no. Okay, it's okay, a okay. memory. Yeah, oh, I, see, I, see. Okay. I was talking to them in two thousand five. Okay. So, so this was a long time yeah, ago. Well, it was fifteen years ago, and he and he told me an incredible story. Uh, uh, they had, to, he said, he had to open the the base. Uh, to a, a special group of Japanese Zen monks who literally t- took the ember from the atomic bomb that we dropped on, on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They took an ember from that and had... A from,
0: the, cr- from the test site?
1: No, no, from the actual... Oh, they brought it from, from Japan. Hiroshima,
0: yeah. Okay, I see. And they it, had it in I a, in it, a
1: lantern it. and on display... Well, they, they put that ember, that glowing ember, into a lantern... They sailed to San Francisco. This is 2005. Right. This is the 60-year anniversary in their cosmology. They think uh, the age ages last 60 years in their cosmology. Mm. So they wanted to close the nuclear age and open a better age. Right. And so they literally walked from San Francisco to the Trinity site, and they wanted to unify the Trinity Uh Nagasaki being and Hiroshima being the first two and right. then the Trinity site, being the, the, the first detonation. Mm-hmm. And so they went to the obelisk there. Uh, they didn't have any press. There was about 50 people. Yeah. They didn't call a press conference. No. The only reason why I heard about this is because I happened to have a, a friend. I was at a church buffet, <laughs> a church uh, potluck. A potluck, Yeah. And, and this guy Sunday, told me this story. Sunday brunch potluck. Yeah. You know, the guy was like, yeah, yeah, you're a weirdo. You would like this story and and he was right and sure enough yeah and so they did a ceremony of uh and and there were children from Arizona and New Mexico who had made uh origami cranes and oh, they man. and they burned those they did a, a ritual to close that age and they snuffed out that ember of the nuclear mm. of the first uh to close that age and to begin open a new age mm-hmm. that's a, that's a powerful act of reconciliation uh and to me, that's the mystical body of Christ as well. Right, for you sure. Know? Yeah. And, and, and the
0: fact that it, it, there was that trinity that existed within that. Yeah, it's just, you, know you can't, I mean? it's, it, like, it's you almost
1: know. like a parable.
0: Well, if you take that to a Hollywood and tell that story, they're like, ah, eh, that's that's too unbelievable. Yeah. But it, it was real life. It actually happened. Yeah, yeah, this happened. Which is the beautiful part A small group
1: it. of monks who had been waiting 60 years to do this. Uh, they had planned this mm-hmm. for 60 years. And um, and so that's that's a creative, imaginative, prophetic act of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and I don't know if you want to tell. it. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of one of our teachers in the living school, uh, Barbara Holmes, wrote a book called "Unspeakable Joy," and uh, I'm giving a little plug there.
0: Yeah. Look uh, at Amazon.com.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Keep it in print. So it's, it's a great book, and she she talks about the contemplative aspect of african american spirituality that that's mm. the the book. I don't remember if this was in the book, but in her one of her uh, uh, speaking sessions, uh, I was we were blown away by this. She said, uh, in early African American churches, at the beginning of of services, there was this ritual that no one knew why they were even doing it, really, but they would lie on the floor and groan mm. before the church service. Lie on the floor, and 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 as a Pentecostal, I would just I would just think if I had seen that, or or if, when I have seen things like that, I would I would just think of it's Romans twelve. The Spirit, we don't know how to pray um, as we should, and so the Spirit uh, breathes and groans through us with through us with uh, utterances and groanings uh, that are too deep for words. Well,
0: it's funny because that just mentally that reduces it down to an intellectual. Like you see it, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, that's just, the that just Romans." Yeah,
1: yeah, it's the spirit doing that. It's in right. there, and they're interceding for the service. Mm-hmm. That that's the way I would reduce it. And uh, but they would lie on that on the floor and, and groan, and what it was connected to actually was during the middle passage when slaves were at the bottom of the mm-hmm. slave ship. All they had was their collective groaning, and and. Absolute terror and fear and horror at their experience, right. and they were reconnecting with that in a spiritual way, and, and, that gap. and that's a lamentation. That's a, that's, yeah. a, that's a that's entering into the grief and the loss of an entire people group for 400 years in at the at the uh, f- under the fist of of institutionalized slavery.
0: Well, and it's it's an uh, amazing thing too because uh, you know now you know we through science and everything else, there's been proof that, you know, we carry our ancestors with right. us in our DNA. Yeah, And so in that spiritual practice, they were leaning into yes. that of, the, of their ancestors that had, had laid yeah. you know, laid in the, the bringing bottom it, of those shifts. Healing. Right. An, an attempted healing, you know, because you never yeah. know, who knows what it takes to heal something that, that yeah. Dramatic.
1: Exactly. So. So this so this lamentation isn't just for those who are on the side of power with the opportunity to repent. It's also on the side of those who have been oppressed and victimized. Yeah so, yeah. so that you can cry for a, a justice, which is one third of the Psalms. You know, where the hell are you, God? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why why do the nations uh, succeed at their evil doing all the time? Why do the bastards in power always? Prevail, God. You know,
0: uh, and even if you look at Jesus's last words,
1: yeah, exactly. It's you know, it's it's that collective moaning, the collective groan of uh, the oppressed of the earth. And and so
0: I think that's a, a a good situation to jump into. Is is what we're talking today? We're not talking about finger pointing and cutting down. We're talking about coming together as a collective where yeah. all sides get an opportunity to speak. All sides get to show their cards, whether they've been in, in this, the seat of power, if they've been in the, yeah. the seat of indifference, yeah. if they've been in the seat of, of, you know, truly, truly victimized in some way, shape or form. And it all, you know, it's kind of that idea of, of shining the light the light in this case being truth. Yeah. Into like, what, what, where do we go from here?
1: Exactly. And to sit in that uncertainty.
0: And that's what people don't want to do. Yeah.
1: It's, yeah. It's very uncomfortable to look at your own. If, if you're white and male, like me, straight white and male, um, to, it's a very uncomfortable and dispossessing process to see the privileges that were given to you uh by default mm-hmm. uh, and that you've been blind to your whole life and and then to begin to see those and unravel them slowly it's it's not a it's not a fun experience it's it's the repentance experience
0: well and even the just being born in the United States yeah you know and it, like me and my mom discuss this sometimes had the, had the had life been a little bit different, if we either one of us were born a hundred miles south from where we were, or less, we would have been born in Mexico. Yeah.
1: You could and, see the border had, from yeah,
0: and had a much different life yeah. than what we get, you know, than the blessing we get to do we get to live today.
1: Yeah. You could literally stand at the edge of uh the University of Texas in El Paso, the the what they call Cardiac Hill, it's the parking mm. lot. And see an opera right there, and mm-hmm. see Mexico. Uh, they just got paved roads like maybe five years ago, so my mm-hmm. like seven years ago. Like, and this
0: being recorded in twenty twenty one, right? Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. And so, so yeah. So that's definitely not lost on us being border people, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and and that kind of thing. And we're you know, and we're a little bit slightly different from your average Anglo's uh, if you've if you've grown up multi-generations in the borderland uh because it's eighty percent hispanic here and uh and so you're not in the white majority so to speak. Right. right? And so there is a little bit of a difference with that. Um but nevertheless, you know, the right. point still remains.
0: And and I think maybe this is a good point to we were talking about this a couple hours ago, but there's a very I don't know if practical is the right word, but but a uh the truth and reconciliation that that <sighs> occurred in, in South Africa. Yeah, um, it's miraculous. It, it's a miracle, and it, it's and it's also something that has happened in our lifetime. Yep. that we can look to as a people yeah. and see that it worked. Yeah, you know the the state of South Africa as you know not perfect as any country. No, is not yeah, perfect. they've got
1: their problems like anybody else.
0: But it's much different than it was thirty years ago.
1: Yeah, they avoided a genocide at the very least. And so,
0: yeah. And so so I guess for the sake of this conversation, why do you think something like that hasn't even been attempted within the United
1: States? I don't know. Uh, I think we tend to, you know, it's Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, I mean, a couple of years ago, I think, maybe five years ago at the most, I began to realize uh, we celebrate this man in and and our egos, if you will, our collective ego. The the real motive behind it is to celebrate this man, to lionize him, so that we are exempt from following his dream. Mm. And so, so if I could just put a quote up, especially right. in, in the social media na- uh, era, if I could just put a photo and a quote of. King up, then I'm exempt from my own uh collaboration with racism with a racist system uh my own uh attitudes that are hidden mm-hmm. and and uh, all that kind of stuff. Well it was very interesting too uh
0: over the summer when when uh, the protests were going on um for the Black Lives Matter, I saw quite a few um political uh cartoons from the Martin Luther King days, right. demonizing yeah. him. Yeah. You know, and it, it just, it's just interesting how once someone has been, well, you know, in his case specifically, he was killed, he was assassinated. So his, his bigger ideas and bigger plans were stopped yeah. effectively. And 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, we can then kind of turn him into this, uh, safe icon right make them safe right um that we can we can pat ourselves on the back but if i don't think a lot of people have um Really studied or delved into some yeah. of the things that he believed because they were very radical. Yeah, there's some even, true. Even for 2021, they would still yeah, be considered for radical, not. Yeah, not we're to more conservative no
1: less... now than we were in the 60s. Well, I don't know about that. Well, compare LBJ. G- gay
0: couples can get married now. Well, I'm talking wasn't. about
1: LBJ's <laughs> policies and uh, what he was pushing for. Uh, even Nixon's domestic policies, much more. Uh, financially liberal than mm-hmm. anybody we've seen after them you know and so yeah so so di- so that would be an invitation dive into his more radical mm-hmm. teachings his most so far his most influential for me has been the phrase he coined the beloved community right. and and what that looks like that's an amazing thing because it dovetails it's synonymous in my opinion with Jesus's vision of the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of mm-hmm. god uh, and beloved community speaks even even more Deeply powerfully me. to me, and so the uh, the invitation of the gospel is to live out the values and practices of this kingdom uh, now, even though uh, it doesn't exist yet.
0: Right, um, we step into that beloved community. Yeah. Walk that path today, yes. Even if you're not seeing it
1: exist around you, exactly. And right. so that's, you know, these are these are very simple things we can do, and and you'll you know, and you'll walk slip slot, you know, you'll you'll slip around, you'll, you'll well, look, you'll
0: look like an idiot. Sometimes, yeah,
1: you will, yeah. And, and just be, you know, there. I used to, in my uh, late twenties and early thirties, I used to preach. Uh, I'd say, uh, you know, if you don't want to be a racist, well, ask yourself how many. Uh, uh, friends of color? Do you have, you know, and and this, but that's so ridiculous. If you go out and I'm going to go befriend someone who's well, and it, but who's it, black just because they're black, you know, is, so I can prove to myself that I'm not a racist, right? Well, it's, it's also a, the trope is ridiculous
0: where someone someone's um, explaining to you that they're not racist, yeah. because because they have a black friend, yeah, yeah. And so you know again, I mean? it's, it's the so ego- people on the other side. <laughs> Or you know, the the other half of that debate, or like they give themselves a pass because they have they have an yeah. African
1: American friend. If anything, go up to your black friend and say, "Can I be your token white friend?" You know, <laughs> do something like that. But uh, but yeah, live live in the beloved community now, and and then the, you know those things. Uh, your ego will have less space to hide uh, mm-hmm. as you live in community and uh, with people.
0: Well, and two, hopefully as that ripples out, even if it doesn't ripple far out, right? If you're embodying that beloved community, then these type of hard conversations have an opportunity to show themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Of like, okay, where am I being
1: a fuck up? Right. In the bigger picture. My attitudes that have been handed down to me and attitudes of, of authority and uh, attitudes of I'm the smartest guy in the room and. You know, and it's—I've seen this happen over. I think we were talking about this half a dozen times now. I've seen this in recent years. I'll be invited to a book discussion club, and it's usually uh, the majority of the people in the group will be uh, older than me, uh, white, very white, and uh, and people. Protestant, very Protestant, mainline Protestant, and. And 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 the book will be on the topic of racism, or you know, some sort right. of economic injustice, something like that. And every time you know, this happened to me just yesterday, uh, in a discussion, the oldest straight uh, white Protestant male, all of a sudden is the is the expert on racism, and they won't shut the hell up. They dominate the conversation. And it's and and I and I've been literally in a group where there was a transgender African American uh, who's the most marginalized person right. in our society. They've been shitted on the most. Nobody asked her what she thought. Right. And I was astounded, you know, and 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 then my approach is if, you're, if you if if you out there listening are, uh, you know, a, a, a straight white male, uh, and you're in those kinds of group situations where race comes up. um, The way that I handle myself now is, Mm -hmm. is these are conversations that I'm not invited to uh, contribute to. These are conversations I'm invited to listen. Mm -hmm. And so, so I, I turn that energy. I turn my energy towards listening Mm -hmm. to what others have to say. Once the, once the, the, the the silverback male shuts his face in the group, you know, and, uh, and then I can hear what, what the others, uh, think, uh, and, and, uh, and what they've experienced. And so, so that's been my approach in a small way, which is, uh, you know, who cares what you think? (laughs) I say this to myself, nobody cares what you think you're here to listen and learn. something. I I think even
0: with the guy, so the guy that's, that's ranting and raving about their experience with racism, where they probably don't have any experience with <laughs> yeah. racism. Even listening to that person and trying to, from my perspective, trying to see past. Why are they so yeah. aggressive with <laughs> right. with this particular point? Yeah. Um. You know, for me, like if someone comes up to me and's like, "Oh, you're you're being racist." It's like, well, okay, and you, I can look at the situation. Right. It's like okay, well, probably I'm not. But if someone comes up. And says, "Oh, you're being racist." And my immediate inclination is to be defensive. Then it's like, "Well, pro- probably I am engaging in that. Be- it could be any behavior, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I if I personally get defensive when someone says I'm doing X, Y, or Z, uh, probably I'm doing X, Y, or Z. Exactly. Whereas if I uh, if I can look at it, if I can step back and look at it calmly and rationally, um, it's probably a different
1: perspective. Yeah. You know." And it's a good spiritual practice anyway. If you live in community, don't be the smartest person in the room. Well, even if you're not... trying to be the smartest person in the room.
0: Even if you're living as a uh, hermit, still examining your life, (laughs) having an examined life on a regular basis is still a good practice. Yeah. Um, And, you know, that's tenfold in community.
1: Yeah, you assume the Spirit is always speaking, Mm -hmm. and you assume the Spirit is always speaking through others to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and, and when you read the, the gospel context of it all, the Spirit is always speaking through the mm-hmm. most marginalized person in the room. And so that's the person.
0: Uh, well, and just this week I was I was looking, and this kind of goes back to your listening, but also knowing when to, when to chime in. Uh, but I was uh, reading a, a Quaker pamphlet about discernment. Hmm. You know, and and being able to listen to what, you know, what you're describing right now of the Holy Spirit or the Spirit, you know, um, a lot of times, if we take the Quaker example specifically, they sit in silence for their services. exactly, And when they feel moved, they speak. Yeah. You know, and so if I can apply that to your example, if I'm sitting in a room full of people sharing on something, um, probably... I would say nine times out of ten, me sitting back and listening is a good place to be, yeah, but still being able to to be um, aware of those nudgings from the spirit. if there is something useful i can I can add because it it might give some insight to to someone else with an earshot.
1: exactly and then and then we have communion with each other through our vulnerability, mm-hmm. not through our strength and our power. Not from a place of power, but through a place of a equalized vulnerability mm-hmm. and that's where the beloved community, the gift of of community right. uh, becomes birthed in our midst at that moment and and it could be a healing moment, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it can happen anywhere
0: well know? and i mean i th- I think and you and I have talked about it, I think we've talked about it on the on the podcast, but the Vulnerability being sort of that first step, yeah, of in uh, entering into uh, an authentic community, yeah, and the importance of
1: it. A couple of years ago, I was visiting, uh, it was a, it was a homeless community or a, or a community for displaced families, uh, in Las Cruces, and one person runs it, and this, and she's an incredible one of those incredible human beings, you know, mm-hmm. that has an energy about them that you just, you're like, where do they, how do they get this energy? <laughs> and I and so was intimidated, obviously from. intimidated and in awe and, and right. of this woman, as she gave us the tour of this place and told us her experiences. And then she walked us to our cars, you know, cause we're leaving. And, uh, and then she, she started talking about her own daughter, mm-hmm. uh, who, uh, you know, was, was struggling and, and, uh, you know, drugs and mental illness. And and then she looked at me and she said, yeah, if I get a text in the morning from her and I know she's alive, everything else is gravy. Mm. And I, I started crying right there because I that experience of her suffering spoke to what I was going through with my own daughter at the time. And, uh, and that healed me. I still think about that. I haven't even continued a conversation right. with this woman. I may never meet her again. Uh, but or our circles may cross you know they yeah, come know. together yeah, you, know, you never and, know um but yeah a vulnerability spoke to vulnerability the suffering within her spoke to the suffering in me and there was there was healing it wasn't it wasn't a misery loves company right. kind of thing yeah. it was it was a uh, was a true healing yeah moment. yeah from two people from very different backgrounds
0: and you so and with that you two will always be connected yeah from that moment
1: and she probably has no idea how much she healed me by saying that to me. Right. You know, I mean, maybe I'll get the opportunity someday to
0: share to with share
1: that with her, and and it may mean nothing to her at that mm-hmm. point, yeah, and it doesn't matter. Uh, and so you let so you let these things go is what mm-hmm. a, you don't cling to them, and but that beloved community, the kingdom of heaven was birthed, the spirit of community right then and and there, and it transcends, like um, the Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians, it transcends uh, slave or free. Uh, rich or poor, insiders, outsiders, all cultures, all all race. I male, mean, race doesn't male exist anyway. Or race, male, yeah, race doesn't even. A, you know, it's been proven genetically. Race is not a. Uh, it's it's not real. It's mm-hmm. a construct that we've invented. Uh, you know, there are no black people in Africa.
0: Right. Uh, it know. just makes us. We've constructed it as a society because we feel comfortable. With people that look like yeah, us.
1: and our in our system and our, our the American way of life, the American experience is based on that construct. Separation, so, right? Yeah, and so it's one of the demons that we have to. Well, deal I think
0: with. It, it it exists in other parts of the world too. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not a solely American thing. Picking on our thing. own. You know, I'm an
1: American. So yeah, I'm gonna
0: yeah, right. Pick but it, own. But this is a a, a human. Yeah. Uh, thing that we have to try to overcome, and that's what why I think Paul's words are so significant. Because you can go to any, just randomly pick yeah. any geographic place with a lot of people, yeah, and present that idea, and it it's true, yeah. But it's hard to, hard to hard to live.
1: Yeah, you know, and my ancestors come from Ireland, which is deeply divided, yeah, uh, between Protestant and Catholic, and. Here I am. I, I've I've lived the best of the Catholic experience, and the and the best of the, the Protestant experience, mm. uh, the potluck, I guess. Um, so <laughs> I kid, I kid. Yeah, it's my act, but it's good. Um,
0: the potluck. The food is good. But
1: that you know that's being reconciled within me uh, through the muscle memory of the ancestors, and so and and you know and it's no accident in my opinion why my family would leave that the, the place of division mm. and come to a borderland area uh,
0: which is literally divided. yeah well, yeah by a line. And, and, to, and
1: to navigate that uh, And so yeah, so all these things they work out in your life if you just watch your life a little bit closer. Well and in I th- lamentation and introspection and
0: Right well, and I think the part of the lamentation, part of the sadness, is acknowledging that division is real, right Yeah, you know and and I, I think there's a certain um, percentage of people within the United States that they're like, no, no, there is is no division. Yeah, but you can you can go through on many levels whether um, you know, the most popular one right now has been race, um but if you yeah. socioeconomic, you know, I think that's that's an even bigger divider yeah, over the last 20 years. In a more cynical years. way,
1: the 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 powers that be want us fighting over race so we don't notice our paychecks. Yeah, we <laughs> noticing so the, that we're the we're socioeconomic. All, yeah, we're all we're crabs at the you know, you know, and, we're and, lobsters in the in the bucket pulling each other down.
0: And um, you know, if we're looking at being in the borderland, you know, encountering uh, the literal person that has, has crossed that imaginary line yeah for no other reason but safety. Right? Exactly. Safety and and um whether they're coming from somewhere in Central America or people we've met from Africa. Right um or the, the Middle East or the the Far East, wherever it might be. Yeah. Trying trying to find a, a land of just just safety. Nothing yeah. nothing more than that. Um, safety and or, even the
1: the basics of yeah, clean of survival, water. Survival. Yeah. Right, yeah, right.
0: Clean water. It's a human rights, right. You know? And so, embracing the or embracing the acknowledging the existence of division. Yes. And then, how do we how do we bridge that gap?
1: Because we the the, the lazy route, which is most of us, is to be neutral in these things, and to uh, and to be above.
0: Well and it's easy it. and
1: we're not you have to take a side. well, know? it's easy to be
0: neutral quote unquote neutral when you're you're when in you're a privileged, place yeah well, when you're in a place of safe, you don't even have to be privileged if you have access to clean water, yeah food and and um you're in a safe environment yeah you know you you could be b- below the poverty level, but if you have access to those three things yeah you're good. It's pretty easy to be
1: yeah neutral quote unquote neutral exactly and you know and I, I don't know uh, transformation is a mystery. And yeah, I, And I don't know how you, you know, I know for a fact that my, the grand, my grandmother was a racist. She was a good woman, but she was mm-hmm. a racist. And my parents, for some reason, would deprogram us. They had it in them to recognize that racism at that generation level. Mm-hmm. And then when they would take us home, back home from grandma's, uh, they would deprogram <laughs> us from the John Wayne kind of stuff yeah, she yeah, would tell yeah, us. Right. And so, why what what was in them? What changed in them that that uh you know that that brought that kind of transformation? you right. know, and I think it's Henry nowen said it uh, we we don't think our way into a new way of living. We live our way into a new mm-hmm. way of thinking, mm-hmm. you know, and i and I know my dad doesn't he's only told me this one time, uh, and he was very reluctant to tell me this. Uh, but you know, he grew up in the uh, Segundo Barrio, and his name was Buf. In the fort, he's right. and no dad. You know, his dad wasn't around, and so uh, pretty scandalous. You know, and and uh, and you know, and he but he he found his salvation in sports. Okay, and so which
0: he still participates. Yeah, yeah, in he's today. a lifelong
1: athlete. Right. He's, uh, and and so when he played team sports for uh, Cathedral High School and a uh, and and uh, and other you know the dominant uh, hispanic teams right. well when they would travel to tournaments east of here to pass van horn into the mm-hmm. dallas area the hotels would not rent to uh mexicans uh and so those te- his team had to sleep on the the track field mm-hmm. or on the football field uh just to play the basketball tournament or the football game right. so he had to sleep with them yeah so so again it's an example of you know we don't we don't uh Think our way into a new way of living. We live our way to a new way of thinking, and so I, I think those the experience of being uh, a minority Anglo in the body who, uh, transformed him, yeah. and which transformed me as well. You know, in, in the way that I see the world. So, well, you know,
0: I don't want to speak for both of us, but but I, I feel like so that's that's where the responsibility falls back on us, if we've been transformed in some way, reaching out to those to those people around us that we encounter. Yeah. Um, and not in a patronizing way. I, I could see how no. someone could do that in a patronizing no, way. No, it's got to
1: be from vulnerability, not yeah. from a
0: place of power. You know, and, and reaching out to uh, our Afri- African-American friends and, and asking them their story, you know, yeah. listening to their story of, of how maybe they've been wronged or um, hurt. Yeah. Uh, and even, you know, and even with the people, not that I, you and I, I don't think we personally know anyone that, that overran the Capitol, but if we did listening to their story and being like, why, why, like, how did you get to that point? What brought you to, and really listening, you know, not scolding them or, you know, and and just how being vulnerable with all of those that we encounter, who hurt you. Whether we, yeah. Whether we agree with them or not. Right. Yeah. I, I can't imagine the people that stormed the Capitol, uh, our day to day hobbies or interests overlap very much, yeah. if at all, but still having an open enough heart to try to connect with them. Yeah. On, on, as a
1: human. Yeah. And, and listen carefully, you know, when, when police shootings, uh, Seemed to be on the rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was probably almost 10 years ago, uh, five to five to eight years ago. Uh, it, to me as, as a, as an Anglo, it looked like it was on the rise. Mm-hmm. And so that was my perspective. Racism is rising up. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and I had a conversation with Eric Bozeman, who's African-American. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, this isn't just a plug for his Star Studios. Star City, studio. But if you need a recording, go to Star Studios. Recording or editing. <laughs> and, you know, and, and he's, he's African-American and, he, and he's lived in big cities. Yeah, L- he's lived LA. all over
0: the world or all over the yeah. United States,
1: right. And so he corrected me and he said, no, this isn't new. Mm-hmm. So when I lived in L.A., I was pulled over uh, dozens of times mm-hmm. just because I was profiled. And uh, and so so it was just in that conversation to learn. Okay, this is it's, the system didn't break. The the, it's not the system breaking. is is uh, performing exactly the way it was intended to, which is to profile people of color. You know, well, and so, being
0: able to hear Eric's story. Yeah, yeah. Because I I imagine he's probably had that conversation with other people. I hope so. And were there like. Well, no, you're just you're just blowing it out of proportion. You're
1: playing the race card. <laughs> he's the, no, no, you know
0: he's just he's telling you factually his experience exactly. while you know, interacting with police officers. Yeah, and our our opportunity is to hear that and to what's next. You know, yeah, what, exactly. as we learn these things, like what, how do we? Um, how do we transform exactly the how system? Stop this. Right. So it's so people aren't encountering those sorts of things. Um, because two, police are good, because if there were more of them at the Capitol, we wouldn't have had people, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, it's like it's a, a it fairly. Or someone line. say
1: less white supremacists on the police force <laughs> itself, that wouldn't you have know? happened. It's,
0: so. it's like, how do we walk that line of um yeah, that's yeah, a whole yeah. other. I, that, we could talk about police. You start with reform. the circle you're in. Yeah, yeah.
1: David White would say you take the first step. Don't try to skip to the to the tenth step. You take your first step in what on what that means.
0: Well, and I think that goes back to that introspection of like exactly where am I falling short in this conversation and my actions exactly and and. um and go from there because we talk about a lot in the recovery world. um, If your side of the street's not clean, you're not going to be able to help anyone else clean their, their Mm, side of the street, you know, and clean your own
1: backyard. Yeah.
0: So it's like, okay, we're, we're what, what's working with me internally that I'm not even aware of. Yeah. um, And how do I, how do I embrace that and sort of yell at God, like help me transform this within me. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that 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 occurs sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. Well, Mr. David Morrison, Sorry that
1: time, huh?
0: Yes, sir. Oh, wow! Um, thank you all for for tuning in. Um, if uh, if you would like to read uh, more about uh, some of David Morrison's musings, you can go to theruined uh, dot com and, and check out some stuff it's there. This whole website. It's it's a whole website. <laughs> It's on the
1: interwebs. It's got pictures and crap.
0: <laughs> All of them legal now, if there's any lawyers listening. Yeah. Um, and just uh, with this idea of, of lamentation, um, you know, look look for those things in your community, um, whether it's co-workers, family members, um, and, and listen to their story. Uh, share your story um, and, and see what, what the next step is um, for making... Uh, for walking towards that beloved community uh, like you so eloquently uh, brought up during this conversation. So, thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you all for listening. Tune in next week for another episode.